0: G'day mate, 40 here. So I subscribe to the Patreon of a terrific left-wing podcast, If Books Could Kill, where uh, these two blokes dissect various bestsellers and usually show how stupid they are. A uh, quintessential example is the Thomas Friedman book on globalism and uh, David Brooks's book on the Bobo's or Bo-bo's Bo-bo's in paradise and the premise of this particular episode that I really enjoyed from behind the paywall of If Books Could Kill was on Bullshit it's named a 1986 essay that was turned into a slim 67 page book by a philosopher who died recently and one of the co-hosts was talking about how much he enjoyed this book the first two times he read it. And then he recently listened to it back on Audible and realized how BS it was. <laughs> that this is an essay on BS, but it provides almost no examples of BS. And when it does provide an example, it's like some bloke telling w- Wittgenstein, he feels like a dog who's just been run over in w- Wittgenstein well how would you know what a dog feels like when it's been run over but uh, the philosopher okay come at 40 I just set fire to the local care home and the police have caught me with a box of matches will you defend me against the matrix attacks <laughs> no I hope that I hope you you get justice <laughs> but I don't like defending people like, people ask me all the time about Duvid, and they ask me about this person and that person. And I was like, Don't ask me about people. People are complicated, and people in different situations behave very differently. So, I'm not someone who really likes passing sweeping judgments on people, even though that's kind of a requirement. What I do, you know, live streaming my, my views about the news, right? you're kind of required to pass these long wide sweeping judgments about people but I, I hate it because people are so complicated so don't ask me about David. <laughs> don't ask me about Rodney or Ricardo like I'm sure there are some situations where these blokes will shine and other situations where they'll be shameful and I'd say the same thing about myself like I, I wouldn't expect anyone to stick up for me just not worth it like if people have their minds you know, made out, where would you want to alienate them by you know, trying to say something positive about me? Some situations I do good work and some situations I do a lot of bad work. Just looking through my archives, pulling out some of my better blog posts, trying to improve them. There are some blog posts that just could not be improved. They were just uh, poor, just needlessly offensive, inaccurate, unfair, nasty, stupid, Embarrassing, idiotic So Anyway, the uh, if box could kill dudes Used this essay as a template for attacking punditry And I think they're absolutely right on there and they had a great Summary of how punditry works that the pundit takes one fact that he knows And adds to that you know some other suppositions he has and as to that a few guesses and wham o bemo he's got a column thinking that's how much you know live streaming punditry on the news works. You get a factor two that you know and then you pair it with some of your biases you make some guesses and wham you've got a show. Now if I've ever transcended this stupid genre it is in the the development and articulation of certain principles that uh, enable one to better decode reality. So for example, my favorite car I've ever driven is a Corvette. I think I've only ever driven one, it was like 1986. It was just so much fun to drive that the situation of driving this Corvette, it makes one really tempted to speed. (laughs) I mean, it's just, you just tap that accelerator and the car just takes off. So the situation of being in a Corvette may very well outweigh any personality tendencies, right? So the situation of being in church or in synagogue or in a bar or a sports stadium, right, often the situation is far more important than any personality tendencies. So that's a generalization that has a great deal of applicability. Uh, also, as I walk these mean streets of Beverly Hills, if I see a poodle, right, I see a lot of poodles. Rich areas tend to have really nice, playful, friendly dogs. I'm not afraid. But if, God forbid, I were to run into a Rottweiler or a Pitbull, I'd be on high, high alert. Because 13% of dog breeds commit 56% of fatalities. So. Just like you can tell a lot about a dog just by looking at what, what kind of subspecies they are, so too you can tell a lot about people by looking at what subspecies they are. Right? Different groups of different gifts, different interests, and so that's another generalization that helps you to you know, unpack more of how the, the world works. Uh, if you've got a large enough group, you know. IQ has tremendous predictive ability for length of life, for law abidingness willingness to cooperate educational attainment wealth attainment uh, developing new inventions right, so IQ is probably the single most reliable predictor and explanatory variable we have in the social sciences so while I'm developing this list of my little blog posts I'm pulling out some of my favorite principles for understanding life another favorite principle of mine is uh, we weren't born yesterday we did not evolve to be gullible so media propaganda academic propaganda professional propaganda doesn't really change hearts and minds with sufficient threat you can force conformity just like a parent can force a child to behave a certain way in the home but as soon as a kid leaves the house, they almost always code switch. and They start behaving as they want to. So 40 in the house around his parents when he was a kid it was very different. I was totally compliant. My parents thought I was just such an easy child to raise. But as soon as I left the house, I did my own thing. And on Friday nights in high school, I'd tell my parents I was leaving the house to go to a Bible study. But did I go to a Bible study? No. I would go to a basketball game and cover it for the Auburn Journal. And my byline would be on it, but my parents wouldn't, wouldn't pay attention. So they never once twigged to what was going on. I uh, forbid the bed there a few times in my senior year of high school where I called those 976 phone numbers. And so my parents ended up getting those expensive bills on the, the phone bill. and. Uh, My mother asked me, oh, these bills, are they for college? I said, yes, they were for college. But I was lying. They weren't for college. So you can mold kids just like you put pressure on a rubber ball. But as soon as they get away from your direct power, they're going to rebound to who they are, particularly around their peers. probably peers have much more of an influence than kids and their parents do. So another generalization that helps to decode more of reality. It's interesting how the punditry game does not reward excellence and truth-finding fact-finding. It rewards hacketry. Now, the most intelligent the best able to be the most effective hacks. Like Ben Shapiro is very smart, Dennis Prager is very smart, uh, David Brooks very smart. Yeah, but the, what they put out there is dumb. But they do it in a smart way so that it's particularly effective. So they get power status, an audience by making people dumber. But they give, they convey. To feel of profundity, while you know, relaying something that usually makes people dumber than before they picked up your stupid column. So this uh, essay, 1986 essay on bullshit, it initially has a very appealing, profound sounding insight, that uh, people who purvey BS are very different from truth-tellers and liars, because both truth-tellers and liars operate with regard to the truth. But people are just retailing BS. They're just operating in a separate category. Now, that sounds really profound, but the philosopher behind it didn't bother writing any examples, so I'm not sure how useful it is. I like uh, all the terminology and concepts that the Creating the Gurus hosts use. One of them is truth-optimizing. Do you optimize for truth? Do you optimize for outrage? Do you optimize for influence, power, audience, money, uh, popularity? And so overwhelmingly right-wing pundits do not optimize for truth. So I think that's, that's a great insight. Uh, Colin Coward said about sports talk radio, like right, the money, the audience go to the people who are interesting, not the people who tell the truth. And the same thing would go for political punditry as well. So, you know, basic common sensical observation is like uh, people often resemble dogs. You, know, you can often tell at a glance how dangerous or how friendly someone is. Uh, it's not a basic truth that you can retail as a professional pundit. So every society has all sorts of basic truths that you're not allowed to say out loud if you're never... Happy life.